Hello, magical souls, and welcome to the Embodied Wisdom Podcast. This is where we dive deep into the wisdom of our bodies in sex, love, and relationship, tantra, kink, wealth consciousness, primal embodiment, and so much more. Hi, my name is Michaela. I'm a sex, love, and relationship coach a tantric yoga teacher, and a lover of all things play and passion. So come along with me, open your ears, open your heart, and let's dive deep together. Hello, hello, loves. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining me today on this talk about polarity and divine union. Oh, yes. Oh, baby. This is a topic that is so near and dear and true to my heart, my soul, my body, my mind, my system. And I just wanted to start off with uh, one of the verses from um, the Radiance Sutras, which is um, the 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 the, <laughs> the banter verses of the um, what is it of the Vijnana Bhairava Bhairava. Vijnana Bhairava, I could be saying that completely wrong. I'm, I'm like not an expert or even, even a novice in Sanskrit. Um, and that is why this lovely book called The Radiant Sutras um, does an amazing job. It's by Lauren Roach. Um, does an amazing job of translating the uh, Vijnana Bhairava. And so that is what I'm reading from you, reading to you from today. And this is uh, the banter verses three and four, and they read in English. <laughs> I have been listening to the love songs of form longing for formless. What are these energies undulating through our bodies, pulsing us into action? and this matter out of which our forms are made. What are these dancing particles of condensed radiance? Mm. Yes, just let that soak in, sink in to your body, to your bones, to your blood, to your breath in this moment. And so when we talk about this dynamic dance, this beautiful relationship between form and formless, between divine masculine and divine feminine, it truly is a dance. It is the most, the deepest relationship that I have come to know 
in this life that can be felt completely and experienced fully within the lens of our own bodies, of your own body, and within the lens of partnership, within the lens of viewing the world. And there are so many ways to experience this and so many ways to um, not only not only experience but to um, co-create this sort of union in and throughout all aspects and all areas and, and experiences in your life. And... This is something that I will I will really just um, today what I feel called to do is just to share um, my own my own experience of and my own um, internal body knowing of this um, dynamic balance this play between the form um, and the formlessness and so to do that I really want to tell you a little bit of a story. And this is uh, my story of really um, kind of going on a devotional journey, a devotional journey to truly discover what is the divine masculine, what is the divine feminine, and how can I embody both aspects of that, both of those aspects within myself so I can find a more fuller, uh, a fuller merging and a fuller um, union between these forces in myself so I can show up fully in my life feeling more grounded, centered, creative, nourished, whole, and able to show up for what I need to show up for while remaining connected to my deep source and my deep sense of power. And so this, for me, um, consisted of a journey. So I took a journey to um, Europe, where I'm, I'm from the States, so that's not my native native country. And... I really um, split up my journey between two two parts where in each part I was kind of dedicated to um, this own internal this internal research of my own divine masculine and my own divine feminine and in the first leg of the journey, I partook um, in a, a dynamic kind of community experience with a group called Tamara. Um, who you can look up, and they um, are a nonviolent uh, peace, peace research center that is centered around um, nonviolence, like integrated community and relationships, um, free love, nonviolence toward animals, just all sorts of beautiful, wonderful values. And also one of the biggest parts is um, solidarity and sovereignty within the community and within um, each individual and all members that are present in these spaces. And what does that mean to be in uh, solidarity with with 
um, another human or a whole entire group of humans is to kind of have this common vision. So it doesn't mean that you're all going to agree upon one thing or that you're all going to get along. It just means to share a common vision. And in a way, it gives this form where every single individual participating in this community is able to share this common vision, which gives a form for then um, more formless expressions of um, of living and of being human and of the divine to pour out and pour through all experiences that are present. And it was my intention to go into this space and um, embody my divine masculine because I was participating in a uh, technology free lab program which uh, I, I went to school, I got my bachelor's degree in engineering and to me, that experience was something that uh, was very, um, very much an embodiment of the toxic masculine, at least what I picked up from it um, was very much uh, kind of ego, egotistical in a way. That's not the best word, but um, focused more on the individual um, kind of competition, like one winning out over the other, who can be the best, who can shine the brightest while diminishing others' lights, right? That's not really um, a healthy expression of the masculine. We want to be able to shine our light in the most radiant form and also help others shine their light and um, be in their power just as much. But I did not experience that. Um, there was a lot of just... Um, yeah, toxicity that I experienced on that. So in this journey of um, spending time in this community with a technology program, so kind of going back to um, what I experienced as, as a toxic masculine and going into, okay, here's my, here's my intention, here's my chance to kind of rewire, rewire my system around this technology and you know, what I experience is very, like, math and science-based um, work that comes very naturally to me, but I had all this um, programming and energy um, kind of stored around it that I was like, I don't ever want to work with that again. I don't ever want to see it again. So this is my opportunity and my intention for myself was to be in this space of co-creation um, with what ended up being with... Um, you know, um, for, not for the most part, but um, majority men, which is a similar experience of what I experienced in college um, with, with my engineering uh, experience, and to shift, right, to shift my perspective from the sense of competition and um, kind of cutting each other down to how can I show up in my divine masculine while still respecting and honoring the boundaries of the feminine and embodying and empowering the masculine to step up and step forward into his, and I'm saying his as in like this masculine part of myself, into his um, power. And the funniest thing that I found is that in being in this environment, 
um, that was totally honoring of the feminine and of her divine power, I found myself not being pushed by others around me to work or to do the most or be the best, but by myself. That those habits and those patterns of, you know, that I experienced as outside of me by the culture that I experienced in college, um, pushing me to, um, you know, be a certain way, those things were within me. And so while everyone around me was kind of just working at their own pace and being in their own flow, I was so pressured inside to do more, to be more, to show up more, to be the best, to do the best, to put out my best work, to outshine, you know, all of these things coming up. And I felt sick. I felt sick to my stomach. And I was so thrown aback by how deeply rooted this was in me. And it was really this process of um, stepping back and you know, uh, looking and asking myself, you know, what is it that I need in this moment? And what is it that my, my community, that this group is in need of? And as soon as I did that, and I, I was more focused on what needs um, I had that would benefit not only myself, but the group that I was a part of, that I was working with every day, um, but also being focused on the community because that is very much like an aspect of the feminine is um was so powerful to realize whoa okay hold on maybe i don't need to be um doing all this intensive research right now or something like that maybe i can just be present with the community and you know see where where are we working that um is losing power and how can i help to um, shift our focus or shift our direction or um, mend a a sticky or, um, you know, kind of difficult area. Like, how can I put energy and attention there to kind of um, bring more love to it, to bring more awareness to it? And in doing that, I actually gave myself time to rest, you know, to rest more and just to mull over whatever was going on like just to take take a break mid-work day to take a nap in a hammock and I never experienced that in college like if I wanted to go rest or you know I would I would have to skip class or you know hide out in my room or you know like kind of kind of hide from the world that I needed rest and then kind of show back up and be like yeah no I'm I'm great which you know to be able to be in this space and just be seen resting you know, was was a powerful act in itself, and I can imagine, you know, <laughs> in our in our world, in our culture, uh, you know, if you were in, and of course nowadays we don't have a lot of, um, maybe not as much in-person workspaces, a lot more of our work is online, but if you were in a um, more visible place and you said, you know what, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go and take a nap in my in my office. <laughs> you know, um, over there. I'm just going to lay down here and not do anything for the next 45 minutes. You know, you, you might receive, like, some different looks and, and or you might perceive that you would receive some different looks or um, that you wouldn't be being productive. But there was this huge revolutionary kind of shift that was happening within myself that it was like, wow, I can be resting and that is what I'm doing right like resting is something to do it's not doing 
nothing. Because, I mean, mind you, doing nothing is a beautiful thing to do as well. <laughs> but it, but it, there is an art to it. There's an art form to what we consider productivity. You know, what we consider to be this, you know, very masculine approach in the world that is really healthy. And it has a lot to do with knowing when and how to rest and to do it often and to do it whenever you need it. And that is something in itself that uh, just in the in the space that I was in, um, in Portugal, you know, that's where I was, uh, even the time there goes a little bit slower. And it was really just... Uh, such a a beautiful revelation to be in a different space in a different part of the world where there was not such this pressure to go and to be something and to do and all of this all the time. It was just an opportunity to be with what is present, to be with what was alive in that moment. And really, really what we, what we have here and what um, we live in the more westernized, kind of modern, um, you know, forward-thinking culture is we don't always feel like we have the opportunity to take that time and to take that rest. And when we're plugged into the matrix of, you know, our very high-paced, fast-moving world, there are so many things, so many things going on, so many stressors, so many, you know, just things that make it really difficult to slow down and say, I need to take time right now. But it is so, so important. It is beyond important. It is integral, right? It is integral to shifting, to shifting what we, what we consider, uh, you know, our expression of the divine masculine because we need the divine masculine, right? We, we talk a lot about feminine empowerment, or I talk a lot about that, but we need the divine masculine to be able to empower the feminine because it's the divine masculine, it's this form, it's the structure that allows the feminine to thrive more fully. And when we're running and operating on these forms that are based on you know, 100%, 110% high-powered, go, go, go all the time, that is not how she operates. That is not how the feminine operates. And the divine masculine knows that. He knows he is there to support her, to help her thrive, to give her what she needs, to respect and honor her, and to provide the most full nourishment that he possibly can so that her creativity can emerge as it needs to and as it is meant to. And he knows that in doing that, he is also filled. He is also so over, over the top filled with joy and power and beauty because he gets to experience the depths and the heights of her nature. And just that shift within itself was such a such a huge revelation for me. 
that I experienced during my time there, and that has continued to unfold even now, um, you know, as I kind of re-entered the, the workforce coming back into the more Western world and kind of uh, catching up again to the speed, I was really left with this kind of, wow, like this question of like, how do I take that? How do I take that complete connection to this union within myself, within the divine masculine and the divine feminine, and how do I bring it into my life and into the lives of others in a way that is sustainable in the world that we live in. And that has everything to do with understanding the forms that you create and how they can support you. How they can really how they can really lift you up and uh, support your deepest inner nature or how they can be inhibiting you from doing that. And to notice those places, to um, give love to the places that are kind of um, acting as barriers to your fullest expression. And, you know, letting them be, welcoming them in, and also saying, you know what, this isn't working, and I love you, but no more. And, you know, kind of taking the driving, like taking the wheel, right? And steering, steering the car to where you actually need to be to allow for those deeper, creative, beautiful aspects of yourself to thrive. Not just to exist, not just to be expressed, but to thrive, like really thrive. <sighs> yeah. Mm. And so that was the first leg of my journey, that my intention to uh, really embody the divine masculine ended up being kind of this deep, um, deeper understanding of the feminine, which is so, so beautiful. And the second leg of my journey was to travel uh, to a sister community of where I was staying, which was called Zeg. And my intention here was to embody the divine feminine. And here I was receiving a 200-hour uh, yoga teacher training with a school called Durga's Tiger School, um, whose roots are deeply rooted into tantra, yoga, shamanism, um, and very much focused on the divine feminine, on shakti, on dance, on art, on just everything so, so divinely feminine and beautiful and it was my intention here to completely surrender to this process because and to soften to it um and that that uh as difficult as it was for my masculine in the previous month um because this was each a month um month-long kind of program that i did one month after the other and even more difficult than my my divine masculine to find this sense of um you know shining and empowerment without putting others down and you know finding ways to to rest and empower the feminine along the way it was so much more difficult to then be in my feminine 
in this uh, deeply intensive uh, yoga program and to just allow for surrender because that that is one of the most beautiful, most delicious, most nourishing and revitalizing qualities of the divine feminine is to simply surrender. To surrender into what is and to trust it. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm just getting over a little bit of a, a cold here. <laughs> um, and the way that I really was able to tap into this was through having the opportunity to trust in the form. So in the previous month, I really was focused on how do I create better forms that support me more fully. And in this experience, the form was created for me. It was created in the sense that we did the same three-hour yoga practice every morning. And in the afternoons, we would do some sort of shamanic dance or teaching or ritual, um, different things every day, more creative. But the, uh, the core was this three-hour yoga practice that happened every morning. That was the exact same sequence, the um, Kuala Tantra yoga um, that I learned, that I am now certified and that I teach. But this experience of doing the same exact practice, three hours long, every single morning. And mind you, this is not a practice that is, um, you know, designed to you know, challenge the limits of your physical strength or anything like that. However, it does have immense um, physical benefits and strengthening kind of byproducts, so to speak. But this practice is designed to awaken, balance, harmonize, and integrate um, the internal nature. And I can't really tell you anything more than that because it would kind of defeat the purpose of it, um, of the tantric yoga practice, um, because it's really a practice for you to explore and to um, discover yourself in. But my experience of it was that to do the same thing every day and to do it in a way that was in tune with my body rhythms, in tune with, with, with what was actually going on inside, that was like, whew, that was my resistance. That was my edge. Out of everything, out of everything I'd come across, you know, doing this intensive uh, technology program, staying in free, free love, open love community, you know, uh, living in community in itself for the first time in my life, uh, all of that, I hadn't really hit this kind of edge. This was my edge, right? Being able to show up and be honest with what was alive within my body in the moment. Because more than anything, I wanted to get my yoga in. You know what I mean? Like, that was what yoga was for me. I was like, okay, yoga is like my physical, um, you know, movement, my, my energetic practice, my what keeps me healthy, what keeps my body strong, all of that kind of stuff. It keeps me mentally strong, all that stuff, which it still is, of course. But 
that's my intention, right? It's just to get my yoga in. <laughs> that was that's what it was then. It was just to get it in. Gotta get it in for the day and I gotta get the most out of it. And so here I was in this practice and I would strain. I would I would do I would push. I would, you know, go to the the edge of the edge of the edge and, and sometimes even push beyond it and just to, you know, get the biggest and the best posture that I could or go to the furthest length and I would even sometimes, you know, do more than what was asked of me because I was like, No, I wanna get I wanna get the full experience. I wanna I wanna make sure my body is fully worked and I would do that for almost the first first week or two I feel like I would just be in this like mindset like gotta go I gotta be the best in the class I gotta be like the best yogi here (laughs) my ego is just an overdrive you know of just like this is how this is how you yoga I'm gonna be an example for all these yogis this is you know my my ego just just going at it just having having its way and it just came a point where I became so frustrated and so defeated, or at least um, this egoic part of myself became defeated. Like, why am I, why am I trying so hard? What am I trying to prove? Who am I doing this for? It doesn't actually feel good in my body. It doesn't actually make me feel good to try and to push beyond my edges and, you know, to to try and be the best that I possibly can in every moment or what I perceived as the best. And this kind of shift happened where, you know, I, I started to actually take the advice of my instructors and do what felt right for my body and not what I thought that I had to do. And when I did that, when I just allowed for what was alive in me, you know, I feel almost a little emotional right now because this deep softening happened where I just was allowed to show up to my mat and surrender to what was there in that moment. And I had no idea what that would be. I had no control of what would arise. But I knew that it was safe. I knew that whatever was to come up would be exactly what I needed in that moment. And that I was big enough to hold it all. That my energy, my body, my mind, my my psyche, my everything and within this container of this group in this sacred and nourishing safe space no matter what came up it would be held and I had never felt that type of safety before and as the time went on as I continued to do this practice I realized the safety was available to me within the the aspects, within the uh, limits and the edges of my own body. And it was really as much as, you know, having the container and the room that we were in was very nice and quiet and all of those things. And the group was really beautiful people and the teachers were, were really wonderful. But really what it came down to was 
by listening to the edges and the limits of my own body, I was the most connected to my divine feminine, to this infinitely creative space within myself that can heal, that can nourish, that can grow, that can um, weed out what no longer serves, that can birth and, and rebirth. And just by listening to the edges of my body, I was able to come back to that sense of safety and to create safety again and again and again. And that simple act allowed me to access such deep, deep, deep parts of myself that I barely had touched before. Maybe. Maybe once or twice, and when I would touch them, I would say, oh, okay, time to time to burn through this, or time to, you know, do something with it, and, you know, but no, no, it wasn't that anymore. It was, okay, this is here, yes, and okay, now this, yes, and okay, now this, yes. Simply turning towards the pieces that arrived and welcoming them in, by the fire of my heart. Not to watch them burn or to force them to entertain me or be a certain way, but simply to invite them in. And this is what happens when the Divine Feminine is given a structure that truly supports her and in this moment, in this time, in, in this experience in my life, this was the structure that most supported me. And I was able to get so much out of it. And no, you do not need to go to Europe to get a yoga teacher certification to find a structure that supports your feminine. No. It's by listening, listening to your body, listening to your gut feelings, listening to that little internal pull, that little voice, or however you experience it, that says, ah, yes, go here, and no, not there, but here, yes, here, and oh, maybe a little more of this, and oh, okay, that's enough, and let's pull back and nourish and ground. And it's that simple. And it's those little inklings, those little pieces that pull you. Because that's, that's how the feminine operates. She doesn't force you or, you know, rip you open. She simply pulls you. Like how a stream pulls water into, into a little pool or something like that. Uh, it's just this pulling of your essence into what is there for you in that moment and into what is there for you in the next moment in the next and through this I was able to surrender to the feminine and through creativity through the more creative experiences that were more free-flowing and less structured uh, I was able to simply witness the sheer power and the sheer infinite beauty of her creative essence flow through me, which of course I'd witnessed before, but 
whoa, not to this, not to this extent, not to this fullness. And that, that experience of finding the safety in my body, finding that form, form meaning creating containers, creating structures, creating just rituals and, you know, boundaries and using words, using actions, using, you know, your creative genius to create those for yourself allows for this deep nature to thrive and to flourish and to simply paint the walls of your imagination and of your life with whatever it is that is on your soul, that is in your heart, that is you. And that, that is this divine merging. That is this divine union, this polarity brought into one, this merging of opposites. And mm, that is really, that is really my deepest and most beautiful experience of polarity and of the divine feminine, the divine masculine, and how I was able to get a full understanding of each of them individually so that I could then come to a deeper integration of them within my own being. And yeah, I hope that from this, you may have taken something that you relate to or maybe not. But either way, uh, my intention is to just open communication and conversation about what this union of opposites, this divine dance of the poles of these oppositions of energy can really look like. And this understanding that at the core, the base of everything, they are the same. They are both made of the original essence of all things. And it's through this that, you know, we're able to show up and to turn in both in equal, beautiful measure when and as it's needed. And with that, I'll just leave you, I'll just read you this quote one more time, just to, just to close this space and leave you with a warm honey cloak of goodness flowing through your entire system, as I feel right now. <laughs> I have been listening to the love song of form, longing for formless. What are these energies undulating through our bodies, pulsing us into action? And this matter out of which our forms are made, 
what are these dancing particles of condensed radiance? So go ahead and find me at Sapphire Roots on Instagram or Facebook, or go to www.sapphireroots.com to check out my latest offerings and to dive even deeper. Have a magical day, loves.